0: 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 29. For I received from the Lord what I also passed unto you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. So how do we taste and see that the Lord is good? How can we see God? Now the church has always taught the sacraments are ways in which we can see God and uh, we're at the end of this four-week series on sacraments Brogan, if you remember the first week, if you were with us, took us through how Jesus is the ultimate sacrament. Paul, the apostle, writes in Colossians 1 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So if you want to know what God looks like, who do you look at? Jesus. Now, Jesus has ascended, but he has still given us ways in which we can see, touch, and even taste God's goodness, specifically the sacraments of baptism and communion. Now for the past two weeks, Ben's been speaking to us on baptism, and we've, been, we've seen that baptism is the way in to discipleship, through which we see the cross and the resurrection and that power apply to us as followers of Jesus today. Today, we're looking at communion. So if baptism is the way in, communion is the way on. You see, baptism happens once, but communion is something we have to regularly engage with. And my prayer for us all today, myself included, is that as we work through these verses together, we realise that communion isn't just something that we do because we go to church, because we tend to have a bit of a horrible habit of institutionalising things. Forgive us, Lord. No. May we all today, in our spiritually deprived society, present the beauty of the sacrament of Holy Communion as a way in which we can all encounter God and feast on Jesus with hearts on fire. So, as we work through these verses together this morning, I want us to uh, understand this simple truth, which uh, my wife says to me all of the time, you are what you eat. Uh, My mum's staying with us at the moment for a few days and uh, she declared that she's on a healthy eating diet and my face dropped because I had planned all of these luxury goods to eat and uh, I was looking forward to a a little bit, even more exuberant uh, dining experience. Anyhow, it got to 10 to 10 the other night and um, after saying that she's on a diet, she then declared that she'd like a bit of chocolate. We didn't have any chocolate in, but as down the road was closing at 10 o'clock. So I said to my mum, bless her, she likes half an hour to get ready, at least. Get your (laughs) shoes on, we're going. We legged it down the street. She was laughing her head off. She got a stitch. We almost missed the closing of the store. The hatches were coming down, and uh, the staff let us in. They said, it's obviously urgent that you need to get whatever you need coming in. (laughs) Uh, We got to the till and uh, we had a Terry's chocolate orange and a Cadbury bar of dairy milk and uh, fruit and nuts, by the way. That's what I like. And we demolished the entire thing. Now, the reason I say that is because my wife, Rachel, was looking at me as we were devouring this chocolate. She said, you are what you eat. You've got the Great North run in three months. What are you doing about it? Currently, nothing. Now, basically, what I'm saying is what we eat determines our health, doesn't it? And the same is true spiritually as well as physically for all of us. So sharing in the bread and the wine together, it's a God-given means by which we live out the gospel. And so as we read the drama of Jesus sharing this meal with his disciples, we too are invited into this drama of the gospel by sharing the same meal now what I want us to see as we go through these verses is that communion enables us to see three things see the past see the present and see the future and then after we've looked at those three things I want us to explore the implications of communion on our lives today as disciples of Jesus so, see the past, see the present, see the future. Let's start with see the past. If we take a look at verses 23 to 25, uh, Paul is reciting the words that Jesus himself used at the very uh, the last summer, summer supper. <laughs> it feels like the last summer, doesn't it, with the rain <laughs> supper. Uh, these, these verses here are very early, uh, and a very early form of liturgy. You might hear that word liturgy that says here in uh, this church, we are an Anglican church and we love liturgy. Uh, but folks, it's not just an Anglican thing, liturgy. It's all drawn from scripture. It's a biblical thing. And here we get an early form of liturgy from Jesus himself. So when we recall these words together, we are looking to the past. The sacrament of communion means that we get to see the past. We get to see what Jesus went through for you and for me. You know, just like um, a song takes us back to a significant memory in our lives. Or the smell of food to a special occasion. Just imagine what Jesus was thinking as he took the bread, as he took the wine, as he told the disciples that this was his body and his blood that was about to be given for them. Imagine that moment. He looked at them. He saw all of their flaws. He knew everything about them. He saw their sin. And in that moment, He still decided to give his body, his blood, for them. And guess what? In that moment, he also saw you and he saw me. Let's not forget when Jesus was saying these words, he himself was sharing in the celebration of a Passover meal, remembering the past when God had done amazing things in delivering his people from bondage and oppression, and so they were giving thanks for that, what God had done in the past. And that's why we sometimes, you might hear the communion being referred to as Eucharist, which simply means thanksgiving, because we give thanks for what God has done. David Watson, who was a vicar of St. Michael Belfry in York, where a few of us moved here from in 2019, he said this The believer is encouraged to relive the personal application of the cross. The believer is encouraged to relive the personal application of the cross. So, what is it we are to relive through the sharing of this meal? That Christ died for you and for me, that we might live. When we receive the bread and the wine, we all partake in this truth together. It enables us, the communion, to see the past and have thankful hearts. Secondly, we see the present. When we take communion together every Sunday, or however regular we take communion, we've been drawn together as the family of God in this place and at this time. You see, in communion we don't just commune with God, we commune with each other as family, brothers and sisters. In the communion service, you may be familiar with the words, We break this bread If you know it, say it with me. To share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. bread. Wonderful. Now this is taken from Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 to 17, which says this. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share in one loaf. So, how do we see that we are all one family, all one body today? Well, we see that one piece of bread. Been broken and given to each one of us. And that one piece of bread is forming us into one family. Now, the beautiful thing about communion is it doesn't just work on a local level, it's not just here in this place or in Newcastle or in this nation, it's a global thing. Christians all over the world use exactly the same words that we share. words of Jesus. And in that we're reminded that we are all part of one holy Catholic and apostolic church. You see what the communion meal does is it draws us all together in unity. Isn't that powerful? The other thing that communion does here for us in the present is that It enables us to recognize that we are broken, but we are made whole, perfect even, through participation in Jesus' blood and body. You see, his brokenness has made you and me whole. In other words, the communion enables us to embrace God's grace. Isn't that awesome? It's incredible. And in communion, we're not just observers. We're not just watching and listening. We do something. We participate. We eat something. We're all part of this story. Communion is a a meal where we feast on Jesus. A reminder that we're wholly dependent on him. You see, we simply cannot sustain ourselves. That's why Jesus taught us to pray. What did he teach us? Give us our daily bread. He knows that we can't do it alone. He is all that we need. And so communion is a reminder to us here in the present that Jesus is life for us. He says, I am the bread of life. Who wants to be full of life today? One of you, fantastic. <laughs> Phil's always a keen bean. We want to be full of life. We're to feast on the body and blood of Jesus. And you see, as a community here in Newcastle, we need to be a community that regularly feasts on the bread of life. This act of showing the The body and the blood of Jesus, the bread and the wine, is important for us as a community to do as regularly as we can. And thirdly, communion enables us to see the future. Look at what Paul says in verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in communion we get to see the future The communion table, this family meal, is a picture of what awaits us in heaven. The heavenly banquet that we're promised. You see, in this moment of sharing the the body and the blood of Jesus, the future is somehow brought to us here and now. Just think about that. The future is somehow brought to us here and now in this meal that we share. When we eat and drink the bread and the wine, we proclaim his death until he comes again. When he comes for those who trust in him and he promises us that there will be a heavenly party, that the banquet goes on and let me tell you, it is going to be one heck of a feast, and I know that because Scripture tells us, the finest wine, the choicest meats. Just think about the last wedding you perhaps were invited to. You see, a wedding is not just about celebrating what's happening in that present moment. It's celebrating the groom's friends, uh, the bride's friends, and the family, celebrating all that is happening right there and now. But also it's a picture of a community celebrating around them for the rest of their lives. Which is why in a Christian celebration of of marriage, the president will say this. Will you, the families and friends of Adam and Eve, support and uphold them in their marriage now and in the years to come? And we all say, we we will. It's not just about the present, it's about the future. And so when we approach the communion table, we do so with a real sense of anticipation that one day Jesus will return. That all of humanity will be wrapped up as we know it, and the rule and reign of King Jesus will be forever. And that's going to be glorious. So communion, communion is the central act of worship of the church. It joins us all together in confidence of hope for the future. And this is why so many Christians around the world were grieved by not being able to receive the bread and the wine during the lockdowns. And it's why, the reason why, many celebrated being able to do that once the lockdowns were over. And today, for the first time in quite some time, we're going to receive communion in two kinds, both the bread and the wine. Today is a momentous occasion for all of us to do that together. You see, this meal is a hope-filled feast it's the most hope-filled feast on planet earth and it's given to us by Jesus so this is what communion enables us to see the past, the present and the future but there are so many implications for us as followers of Jesus today so I want us to take note of these four things the first one is this That the communion meal is a meal of encounter. You see, it's not just a meal of remembrance. And it's not cannibalism. But something does happen. We somehow encounter God through it. If we look at verses 27 through to 29, we discover that if we take communion in an unworthy manner, we drink judgment on ourselves. So clearly, something is happening through communion. You know, if you walk past a sign here in church directing you to a toilet, it's unlikely to, you know, have much effect on you, if anything at all, if you ignore it. You're not going to drink judgment on yourself. If you take communion, in an unworthy manner. And you will. And so what that tells us is that communion isn't just a sign. It's something more. Something happens. We encounter God through it. And you see the church around the world teaches us that when we take the bread and the wine, it is to us the body and blood of Jesus you see, we meet Jesus and his grace and his forgiveness in and through this meal. It's a meal of encounter. You see, for the Jews who participate in the Passover meal, they not only look to the past, remembering what God has done, but they relive through that meal the past. They're caught up in God's redeeming work. And so for us as Christians, as believers of Jesus, knowing that the Messiah has indeed come, we remember all that Jesus has done for us in sacrificing himself, taking on the sins of the world. And so we too are caught up in the events of the upper room when Jesus shared the last supper with his disciples. We're caught up in that moment here and now and through them, we are in communion, in unity with Jesus who is present. This is my body. This is my blood. So when you come forward to receive communion shortly, remember you are encountering the living God. Now, just to display this, I actually bought a prop, but I forgot to bring it, and it was one of those... Uh, I think it's the Lord, you know, but basically, I bought one of those massive elastic bands, you know, that are meant to tone your muscles and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm yet to see it work, but... Um, <laughs> I forgot to bring it anyway, and uh, I was quite upset about it, and Amara said, Daddy, don't worry, you can use Lego. So i have got Lego and a little elastic band. But I need a... Uh, a helper. Ollie, come and help us. Isn't it great to see Ollie? Remember, Ollie was baptised a few months ago here. So great to see you, Ollie. So um, you need to choose one that represents God. Don't think too much about it. This one? Oh, the big one, yeah. Right. Right. So God needs to be up here somewhere. And uh, this is you and me and everyone else. Okay. And... um, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to stretch that far. might have a bit of an accident. But basically, what happens in communion, we, we encounter God. We encounter God who is present in, in the bread and the wine. We encounter God who is present here and now on planet Earth. Here. Does that make sense, Ollie? So, just going to put this elastic band around his hands, right? But somehow, in the receiving of the bread and the wine, we are caught up with God in heaven. Remember who Jesus is ascended, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And what we have in communion is this wonderful joining up where almost we are taken into the throne room of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you, Ollie. We can't quite put our finger on it or explain the whole thing, but something beautiful happens in that moment of receiving the bread and the wine. We really can feast on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Secondly, the communion is a meal of confession. Verses 27 to 29. You see, expectation of receiving communion, it leads us to this place of confession. Now, the early church practiced confession of sin before taking, receiving communion. And that's why we too confess our sins corporately together before receiving the bread and the wine. Now, we do this so we don't take communion unworthily. But we also do this to remember that together we are broken not just me together and together we are all made whole now there's a guy called uh, Glenn Packiam and uh, if you want to know more about the sacrament I, we really as a team encourage you to read this book called blessed broken given and um, he says this why recite a prayer of repentance in the middle of worship worship services as opposed to embody and reenact the gospel we need a community to lead us in confession and we need a community to remind us of god's grace so when confession forces us to face god we find the face of god steadfast love this is the power of our communal confession it leads us back again and again to the God of grace. Confession is not just about sin. He says confession is about opening ourselves up to God and to others. So confession is also about vulnerability and honesty and humility. It's a practice that prevents us from keeping our shadows hidden and our frailty forgotten. It isn't just our sin that we need to confess, it's our limitations and lack, our weaknesses and warts, our fears and fragility. The church is not a community comprised of those who have something to give and those who need something. The church is not about people who have their lives together and those who are broken. The church is a community of mutuality where our brokenness becomes a way to open our lives up to one another and allow God to meet us with his grace. That's why we're a community of confession A community that confesses our weakness to one another. And a community that confesses the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Now the word confess, um, it means to say the same thing. Now of course we don't confess because we need to be re-forgiven each time. Of course not, we are forgiven in Jesus We confess so that we align ourselves with the truth that despite our brokenness, because of what Jesus has done for us, we know we are forgiven. And how good it is to be reminded of that. In preparation for this, I said to uh, my girl Phoebe in the week, I said, Phoebe, how do I know that you love me? And she looked at me and went, (laughs) and then she just went, (laughs) she kissed me. I didn't tell her to do that. She obviously thought about it. And she knew that in order for me to know in that moment that she loved me, she had to express a physical sign, an expression to show me that she loved me. A physical sign of an invisible reality. How do we know we're forgiven here today? By regularly receiving the bread and the wine, the precious body and blood of Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Thirdly, the communion is a family meal. We celebrate communion when the whole family comes together. Just look at your neighbour, how beautiful are their faces This is the family of God, folks. We do not celebrate communion by ourselves. We corporately confess our sins. We corporately come to eat and drink. We corporately come to look back and to look forwards. You see, communion shapes the rest of our lives. What do I mean by that? Well, the grace we receive in this meal is supposed to shape is supposed to shape the way we relate to one another. It's a meal that expresses unity. Community oh sorry, communion builds community. Communion builds community, and it proclaims that the grace of God is offered to you and to me. This table brings us all together in Christ and all those who are baptised because they are members, you are members of Christ's body, to come and feast together. Baptism is the way in, communion is the way on. And I just want to make clear to all of us that there's no requirement whatsoever for you to fully understand all of the intricacies of what is happening at communion or understand the full theology of it, although we should long to. But you don't need to have it all together in order to come and feast on him because that would probably bar most of us here, if not all of us. It's not about our understanding of him. It's about, it's all about what he has done for us. His grace. And that's why we invite everybody who is baptised to come and see, to receive. Children included. We are to run to the table like little children. You know, from the moment our girls wake up in the morning, you wouldn't believe it. At six o'clock in the morning, I'm hungry. (laughs) Every ten minutes throughout the day, it's like a rhythm. It's like a cuckoo clock. I'm hungry. I'm like, you've just eaten a packet of crisps, a packet of cookies, a baby belt, a yogurt, and you're still hungry. But you know what? We don't deprive them of what we know will sustain them healthily. So may we too be hungry for receiving the grace of God in communion as often as we can. Because it's a feast that we know will sustain us. Because sharing in this meal together draws us together in love. We're in fellowship with Jesus, who is present in the breaking of bread and the sharing of wine. You see, communion is the family meal. Just put your hand up if you say grace before you share a meal together at home. All right. Put your hands down. Put your hand up again if you're gonna start saying the grace. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Joking. But I love this little tradition that we have in our family of saying grace before we eat a meal. Why? not because we have a religious spirit about us, but because it reminds us each time that this is an opportunity for gratitude. It encourages me to look forward to the meal we will all share together when we come together at the communion table. And so lastly, as my wife says, or Gillian McKeith, Got a book from Car Boot Sale, 20p. You are what you eat. You are what you eat. A few years ago, I went to um, where was it? Egypt, and it was an all-inclusive meal. And I tell you what, I have repented many times. <laughs> but uh, this was actually grotesque, wasn't it? I, it was awful. I was with Ben and Ellie and Rich, and um, every night was a different theme. This particular night there was just a, a mountain of crabs, basically. Now, you go into Granger Market, you can pay eight quid for a crab, 10 quid. I see all these crabs, I'm like, it's free. <laughs> and I, I'd crab after crab after crab, I, t- I actually turned into a crab. <laughs> there is a picture that looks so awful we can't show you today of me with a crab, a crab claw hanging out my mouth. I was red as anything, probably an anaphylactic shock. I look like a crab. You are what you eat. Jesus says, John 6, truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. I don't know about you folks, but I want to be eating things that gives me life. 35 crabs certainly didn't do that. But I know what is going to give me life and life everlasting. So as the bread and wine is blessed, broken and given in a few moments' time, let us remember all what it means for us as we look to our past, our present, our future. As we take communion, we remember that God has blessed us, that although we are broken, we have been made whole. He gave himself to us so that we may give ourselves to be transformed by him. He became what we are, so that we might become what he is. He became man so that we may be saved. We become what he is by feasting with him, with eyes wide open and hearts on fire. So will you feast on him? right then, Ben, do you want to stand up? (laughs) Will you feast on him? If you want to feast on him today, stand please, if you're able.